Welcome to another episode of the Love Sport Podcast. This is Paul. We'll be joined by John tonight. You can get us on the Love Sport Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Get me at Paul underscore football and John at Lambic Peach on Twitter. This is the Love Sport Podcast and we are more than 10% weird. Well, welcome to another Love Sport podcast. It's Paul and John tonight. Pete is doing some uh, build-up work for the Matildas game. He's doing some of the uh, entertainment out the front. Um, so thank you, Pete, for all you do. We'll have you back on again next week. And uh, he's also got trials as well uh, for his football teams tomorrow night. So his coaching career, like yours, mate, is really doing well. <laughs> I want to know what entertainment before the Matildas game actually um, equates to. Is he like rolled up? Is he being like doing the Helen Ready thing with the national anthem or something? I am woman. Uh, yeah. No, mate. No, no. The kind of blow up uh, goals and all those kind of things. The kind of stuff I used to do for cricket and rugby league. Oh, and yeah. Like all that, that stuff. So, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Which is good. The kids absolutely love it. Um, half the time they love it more than the games themselves. Mate, uh, commiserations and celebrations uh, for your uh, girls teams on the weekend. It was a they did really well getting into some finals and stuff like that. Unfortunately, didn't um, get the 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 complete win. Yeah, look, I won't take up too much of our listeners' time. Suffice to say, we had um, our under fifteen and open girls both made it to the finals of the. You know, it's probably the biggest tournament in Australia, really, for schoolgirl rugby. And um, they both made it to the final, which is a big feather in their cap, and gave it everything they had. I, uh, probably our, our our under-15 girls really, you know, went to another level to actually make the final. Yeah. Um, and ran into a pretty big speed bump in, in, um, in King's Christian College, who, you know, who, you know, really deserved their win um, overall. A lot of investment at Kings. Yep. Um, and, you know, this sort of thing like we, you know, investment in rugby at schools uh, is different at different schools and some schools invest heavily and and others, you know, make it do with what's there. It is. And, but they just certainly deserve what they got. And um, I'm trying to speak. I'm trying not to say very much there except congratulations. No, no. And, well, and you know, and they were a brilliant team. I, I, t- I was Really impressed with the way that they had two very big wingers who were absolutely sensational. And then in our Open Girls, they probably got to a final where they were going for three in a row. And I, I was listening to an NFL podcast this, this morning mm. talking about just how difficult it is to get three Super Bowls in a row. They're talking about it in terms of the Arizona Car- – or not the Arizona Cardinals, Kansas City Chiefs sort of falling off a cliff at the moment. Yeah. And saying so how are. hard it is to get to three Super Bowls in a row. It's very rare it's happened. The – um. The Patriots got to three in a row, but didn't win three in a row. And I don't know if there's actually been a three-peat of Super Bowls. I don't think there was. Very difficult to keep that level of intensity in any sport for that long. And our girls just felt the last hurdle against, I have to say it, a Keeper Park team who played one of the only mistake-free games of rugby sevens under pressure of actually seeing anyone do it at any level. So these things happen and we'll move on and we'll go away and get better for, better for next year. Oh, we, we were talking about that. Um, we talked about that recently, and my dad and I were talking about with the AFL. Yes, the Lions and um, the Hawthorns and you know Richmond went close. That, that three or four finals in a row is about the limit of what you, you can do because it's not just the physical 
it's the emotional toll that it takes as well. It's such a build up and, and to maintain that for years. God, it's hard in any sport. And I think so. it's on the um, you know, it comes out as a coach as well. Now I oh, I obviously not working at the highest levels, but there's a lot of time that goes in with me and Matt and the other guys who involved in our coaching program and all the people at these school competitions and you know, trying to maintain any pro that, that program for three years when players have to leave yeah. at grade twelve they go. And, you know, some great players well, where we're gonna get the next level from and it takes a lot of a lot of energy, and I wouldn't, you know, and go beyond. Me and Matt were both a bit tired at the end of this. And the message as well, um, regardless of what level, that that message eventually for a group becomes a little bit stale, and you have to reinvent yourself as a coach. And that's a hard thing as well. Um, mate, yeah. I've got a question. Got a question for you here. Thanks for asking. Though. I appreciate it. No, of course, mate. It's been a big part of our podcast, big part of who yeah. we all are. So. Well done. Um, now, going to ask you a bit of a one here, mate, to start off with. Any midfielder to a full forward combination. So what I mean by that is you can grab one midfielder and he's going to get the ball out of the middle and he's going to deliver it to your full forward. So any yeah. combination you want, VFL, AFL, midfielder. Robert oh, Robert Harvey, who I didn't think had the best penetrating kick and was my school football captain, by the way. That's uh, well, he got a hell of a ball in that. I mean, there was also Nathan, what's his name, Burns? Nathan, Nathan Burke, other, Nathan Burke. Um, yeah, Nicky I think Pluggers, I mean, they had a whew, Pluggers had yeah, some good midfielders. Yeah. They're all in the all time great teams. Oh, of course. Uh, yeah, it was the school captain of uh, John Paul College in uh, Frankston in Victoria, mate. So, very, mm. very privileged to have uh, had him there. Um, mate, I had. One of your two in there, and that was Tony Lockett, because I oh you, seen... you didn't have a someone from Sydney, did you? Oh, I had Tony Lockett from St Kilda, <laughs> mm. but um, I've never seen a man that size to be that quick, and and his hands were just so so soft. But my other one that I had delivering to Tony Lockett was actually a player. Now, if I say that you haven't seen this player, um. And you have, I apologise in advance. Jeff Rains. So he played. Well, I know Jeff Rains from Richmond. He was a great player. Yeah, and then, and, and he played went at, the Didn't he play at Brisbane as well? He did play at Brisbane near the so end. So I've seen yeah. him in the flesh, mate. That there you go. So I apologise, as I said, but his delivery was absolutely unbelievable. So i and you could pull any combination you want. So on our. Uh, well, I thought you group, wanted me to get. I thought it had to be within teams. No, no. So I did say. Any combination from VFL AFL, so it didn't. I see where you've gone on there. Um, I reckon you'd go someone else to lock it. Can I have a redo? Yeah, of course. I'll go Acker. Yeah, I knew you were going to because guess what? I had Acker in there, Acker to lock it. I also had yeah. Acker to Dunstall because Dunstall was very similar to Lockett in terms of off the mark. He was away. You couldn't keep up with him. Uh, he could take the high mark, the low mark. Um, so I was going to do the same. Um, but then again, you could pull almost any Brisbane line from that uh, midfield. Simon As we know, Black. Bossy, Simon Black, Bossy. Lukey Powell, Nigel uh, Lappin. Any of those guys, mate, delivering to any full forward for sure. Um, Jeff Hedler. So, yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. You could have gone any of them. So, guys, it's any combination. You've got one midfielder, one forward, 
from the VFL, AFL, put your combinations up. So you can put it on Love Sport Podcast group, uh, Love Sport Podcast Facebook page, and also Twitter. Um, and we want to know what your combination of midfielder and, and full forward is. So I, I think there's so many combinations there you can put in. Yeah, um, that's fun. And it's nice to talk about awesome things in sport, isn't it? And and when you say awesome, like dead set, really awesome. Like I would oh. give anything to be watching Jason Ackermanis play again today. But he's, you know, we did our top 10 favourite um, sports, yep. but AFL players. Yep. Acker was in my top 10 favourite sports players. My top 10 AFL players, different because it's a hard, it's like I love Acker as a, he's part of me because yep. the Brisbane Lion fandom and all that. My favourite AFL player of all time is Tony Lockett. Imagine that combination. Oh, just mate. Out, outrageous. And like we've just talked about the positives, but I look back at, at um, you know, one of the things that could have changed Sydney's history, uh, and I think I brought this up on the podcast before, Tony Lockett was actually signed to Richmond, had signed a contract, was going, and, and the VFL blocked it, and he ended up going to Sydney. So there you go. That would have changed football history a little bit there, don't you think? Um, yeah, and I'm pleased that didn't happen because, you know, the very rich history that... Um... Richmond have, but I was around Sydney at the time. And Tony Lockett was there, and I played in a in a in a local AF, VFL team with his brother, yep. who yep. also was there, and it was a lovely guy. Um, looked like Plugger, except he was nowhere near as big or good. Could drink a lot, well, and because um, we were a pub team, and so that always got a big workout there with the Courage on. Our mascot was beers. <laughs> we're very competitive, so we called the Courage on beers in the pub comp, um, but. Um, what was oh, I going to say? Oh, look, the I'm great Paul Kelly happen. was there and Darren Creswell. Yeah. And, and there was a lot of uh, – because we had a lot of Swans hanging around at the time because the pub was not only sponsoring this team, but it was also sponsoring the Swans. And, um, you know, we got to meet a lot of those guys. And I, you know, absolutely hate the Swans now. But the Swans as they were then was an incredible gun- bunch of people really on the way up. And yep. you know, Paul Kelly's a true gentleman. And um, he was a great player, very underrated as far as I concerned, anyway. And, yeah, oh, I'm pleased no, I got the premiership. He, he, was, he was rated. He was rated mm. by those in the know. Mate, um, the other thing I wanted to say about that is Sydney and Brisbane um, have something really, really in common. And, and sometimes people forget this. But both Sydney and Brisbane have really kept a very large core of their Melbourne, you know, South Melbourne fan base and the Fitzroy fan base. You oh, go yeah. to any game in Melbourne when those two teams are playing and they get a really good following. And I think that's underrated by uh, a lot of people in, in the football world. So Suns don't have it, neither do GWS. But it, No, they don't because they didn't have, as you know, that the VFL history there. So There was a few of the rich... I mean, there was a few of the Fitzroy people and they still talk about, you know, famously walked away and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, the, the great man himself... Um, Bert Newton did that, and you know, I got to respect their opinion. Like, you know, this is your club, mm. and and I mm. get that. But at the end of the day, I've always thought that we got a pretty decent deal out of that merger. And you know, as a Brisbane fan at the time, the truth of the matter was that Brisbane were coming pretty hard, and were probably going to be in a position of player dominance because Robert Walls and those guys were doing a good job. But the injection of stuff that they got from yep from Fitzroy made a big difference and it wasn't really the main injection they got was fans. And, and the other thing in that regards, and dad always says this as well, 
whilst Brisbane uh, ended up taking over Fitzroy, I think they've done a really good job in the last few years of attributing that. I think they've acknowledged it. I think it's really healthy what they've done. And same as Sydney again. Um, but I'm going to throw another question at you, mate. hope you're ready for this On one. that note, I don't uh, think there's nearly enough credit given to the Brisbane side of that merger. And we had a lot of fans. We never get our jersey gets up very much. And um, I like the Brisbane Bears jersey. So no, mate, look, I, I, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but I, I think there's been really good acknowledgement the last few years. But that's just my opinion. That's what we're all about. I'm happy with the merger. I don't care. I'm good. No, I know you are, mate. Got another one for you here. NFL as we do. So those who don't like the NFL, I, I am not going to apologise for our love of it. I, I am going to apologise that you don't for yourself because it's a fantastic... Do we have any of our listeners who don't like it? Yeah, there's a few. Um, but the thing is, the thing is, um, we can't... Like, you can't love every sport, right? But no, I don't. I think that I can't think of a sport, and you can you can put your two bits in here. I cannot think of a sport that is more a game of chess with with physical specimens than NFL. No, you're trying it's... to out, you're trying to outguess. I know there's the physical aspects, but you've also got the the offense and defense trying to outguess each other, trying to you know bring up the different plays. I, I love that. I love the brain side of it, which I think sometimes under undersold. Just like the sport, and I do think that anybody who's got any sort of understanding of coaching would understand that the NFL is probably at the forefront of devising different ways of making the sport better. Um, whether that's in the way that you set up and structure offense or defense, how you run zones, how you are uh, sports science, body size, body shape, analytics, the whole lot, everything. They, they're always on the front foot with everything. I think it's, yeah, to me, it's an, it's an everything sport and encapsulates every single thing that you need. 100%. Now, in saying that, got another question for you, mate. Mm. You can have I'm going to need clarity on this, I think, after what happened with the, the okay. AFL shimozzle we had we will, earlier. We, well, I don't think it was a shimozzle. It was just a misunderstanding, which theoretically is a shimozzle. It is a good word. Um, boys and girls at home, um, without a dictionary, uh, without getting online, try and sm- uh, spell that one, and I think you can. Mate, any quarterback, any running back, any wide receiver – and tight end combination from any teams. You could have a quarterback from San Francisco, running back from uh, the Raiders. You could have a wide receiver from San Francisco again. And a tight right, end I get you. Well, it got a lot harder because when I, when you first posed the idea of this question, I was really excited. And I, and I thought about it for quite a bit because I was at the docks mm. this afternoon getting a couple of things done. And Doc was a big NFL guy as well. Big shout out there, 9th Avenue. Family practice, <laughs> and um, he, <laughs> I said, I really looked at it. I was thinking, you know what? I think that my favorite NFL team of all time, the one that probably made me fall in love with the sport as yep. much as any, even though I'm a Packers fan, um, was the Cowboys of the early nineties. Oh, I see where you're going. And I had Mate. them set out as the perfect everything that you would want. Like you had, you had. You know, an all-time great. I mean, he gets talked down a little bit, but Troy Aikman, great quarterback. Troy Aikman, very, very good quarterback. Um, you had Emmett Smith, who I think is without doubt the best running back of all time. You had Michael Irvin, who was the ultimate showman, but a great player. Yep. And you had a, I, the dude, I, I loved Daryl Moose Johnson at fullback, and I really, mm. really liked Jay Novacek at, at tight end. 
And those very names un- never forget. Very underrated. Absolutely. Uh, look, mm. the question here that I did have for you, and we don't know each other's answers. We try never to tell each other answers, guys. Mm. Um, but it was uh, the clarification, once again, for the Facebook or Twitter feed, Love Sport, is any quarterback from any team, any running back from any team, any wide receiver from any team, any tight end from any team. Yeah, I'm going to change it now on the, on the fly. So right, yeah. I'd like to hear what you've got. And I'm oh, thinking I'll do in my mine. Head. I'll do mine. Right, yeah. I have to go Dan Marino. My favourite quarterback of all time. Um, I just love the way he played. I think he could do a bit of everything. I am going to go Derrick Henry at running back because I still think the guy is a beast. I'm just putting him in there. Randy Randy Moss, I've got as my wide receiver that I would no, just like. No, no way. No. I'm going to put. It's my. It's my list. Not Are yours. you saying that he's going to gel better with Dan? Well, I'm just, hey, my list, and then you can come up with yours. <laughs> and, then, and then the tight end, you're probably not going to like my tight end here. But just for what he gives in terms of pure beast mode is I'm going to go the Gronk. I'd love to have Marino, Henry, Moss, and Gronk because I cannot see any defense matching up against those four. I can't argue with Gronk. Um, yeah, Gronk for sure is right up there. Uh, thinking of modern tight ends, you've got Ertz and... Um, Kelsey and Kelsey, but you know, to me, Gronk. Well, Gronk walks into the Buccaneers, and hey, everyone says it's Tom Brady, but Gronk's there he's as ba- well. He's barely played in like what eighteen months, and he came back in and just went, "I'm, I'm Gronk." I mean, and he come loves on. a party. Like, I'm going to have mate, Gronk as my as my tight end. He loves he loves the party, right? But does he get mm. the job done? He gets it. He's never not got the job done. So Gronk has to be in there for me. I, I can understand why you don't like Randy Moss. I just, the excitement he brings for me. Oh, no, I like Randy, but you have to yeah, put someone from the Vikings in there. I know, so that, I'll, I know that. I'll go with um, Jerry Rice, who is without doubt the greatest um, wide receiver of all time. There's no doubt. I mean, if you're just talking pure stats, he's got it. But if you're talking just the prototype... The eyeball the, test, he's got yep. it. Yep. So I, I, I wouldn't argue that. And I thought that was an easy one to put in. I don't mean that rudely. I think that was an easy one for me to put in. But it's it's kind of like the, the combination I want to have in my prime. So I, I want to... I think about Randy Moss. I think about Randy Moss. I think about straight line speed, getting downfield, going vertical, yep. all yep. that. I think about Jerry Rice. I think about every every part of the route tree, um, yeah. never needing to dive, just being, you know, you need moving the ball down the field. And, and I think he made it look, didn't he? He made it look so easy that we that a lot of people probably under underappreciate. He, for the greatest of all time, he's kind of underappreciated. Well, you know how much I like this guy. I had a Jerry Rice jersey. Um, wow, a Jerry Rice Super Bowl jersey. It wasn't, yeah, and I had it, and I wore it a lot, and I wore it around Asia, and people would go, "Hey, number eighty, number eighty, is that your uh, Mr. Rice?" <laughs> yeah. You're a funny guy, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And I, had, oh, I, I wore it, I washed it out. It was a proper one because it was a starter jersey, just yeah, the yeah, way yeah. they were. And I had a mate I worked with at Centrelink, and he was a big-time 49ers fan who took every single Super Bowl Sunday off Monday, and I really respected that. And one of the last things I did was when I left Centrelink, I gave him that jersey. Oh, wow. That is mm. cool, man. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So um, who'd you got at QB, mate? You've got. Oh, sorry, I've got to go, Brett Favre, man. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and oh, you talk about so... your favorite, 
players and quarterbacks. It's your favourite. It's your combination. If Brett Favre was throwing a Jerry Rice, I'm I'm here to tell you that if Brett Favre had Jerry Rice and obviously my running back is Emmett Smith and had the tight end of Gronk, I'm here to tell you that Tom Brady's records, they don't exist. Well, Dan Marino has Derrick Henry, right, running through. So he can hand yeah. off to Derrick Henry. He can do his passing game. I would have gone with the Derrick Henry. I would go with the Derrick Henry call. I actually think he's on line to be the greatest running back of all time. I I don't understand what uh, like I know we hear a lot of experts talk about Derrick Henry in 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 some positive notes and everything like that. And you have to because he's just unbelievable. But I'm still hearing people, you know, talk about his production in the first quarter and stuff. Every single team plans for him to get the ball. It's, I just think he's unbelievable. And look, guys, put up the combination you want to see. And that's my point. I, I just would love to have seen Marino have weapons. Yes, he had a few plays, but he didn't have weapons like we just mentioned, did he? I think Derrick so, Henry's throwing, throwing four TDs as well. He has. Uh, did you see the I remember him doing one in the playoffs. Remember in the playoffs? And he, he just did. like dinked the one over the top. I don't think he threw Daniel, didn't he? Yes, he did. And that's his part. And, he, and he's thrown another one this week, hasn't he? Not so Tannehill, yeah. though. Yeah, Yeah, but I think but, he's thrown four, four all up or something crazy I like that. I think, and, and I'd love people to correct me here, I actually think he's thrown a touchdown. He's thrown four. And I think he's actually thrown, and the, even the experts haven't said this yet that I've heard, I think I remember seeing him throw one with each hand. Uh, and I could be wrong, but I'll go. I think, the, I think the one he threw to, yeah, the one he threw to Tannehill might have been left-handed. It was yeah. some kind of a weird pass. He either popped it up or shoveled it underneath or something crazy. No, and, no, he did it over the top because he did yeah. a very similar one this week where it just, yeah. he didn't really throw it. He kind of just lobbed it. Just just <laughs> fade it. Yeah, just pump yeah. it out. Well, I love that man. question. I love that question. So, guys, please come out with your combination. Can be any period of the NFL. The quarterback, uh, running back, wide receiver, and tight end combination that you would like to have. Now, you you brought up a really interesting thing about the Cowboys, and I would actually like to say that I think the um, San Francisco team of the mid to late eighties was 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 comparable to uh, the Cowboys team you had there. Well, of course they are in every single way that you want. They were the dynasty that came before them. Yeah, and um, a very similar kind of setup. So, um, yeah, I mean, Joe Montana. You hear his name less and less every year, but he could step into abs. I don't care that the, the the quarterbacks have to be really run around like you know whatever. Look at Patrick Mahomes at the moment; he's thrown more uh, intercepts than he has touchdowns this year. The Green Bay team Which, that round, that rounded into shape and was starting to challenge those two great those two great dynastic clubs in in the NFC. When we took Reggie White and you know had Brett Favre there and and you know they were some great games. Don't forget that they went from from um, Joe to Steve Young and had Steve Young and they were still a super competitive team, man. Some Steve of the best Young, games of NFL I watched was hey a great quarterback to um, wide receiver was Steve Young to Terrell Owens. Well, mate, how how well have teams? It's really hard to transition. Green Bay did it really well and. Uh, well, I don't mean they did it really well in terms of obviously how it was handled, but it, it worked really well. And San Francisco was the same. I mean, Steve Young is the absolute proof that you hang around long enough and get your chance 
I mean, he hung around for a long, long time. There's a lot of quarterbacks who would have thrown it in, gone to a worse outfit. Imagine if I'll Steve Young had a... A... Sorry, I shouldn't interrupt you. Keep going. No, no, I was going to say, imagine if Steve Young ha- had a crack at it and, and not stayed around. There are a lot of people who don't know who Steve Young played for. Jeez. Come before on, he played tell for who... the 49ers. Tell us, tell us who he played for. Tampa. Yep. Tampa Bay. He was drafted by Tampa Bay, yep. and it was a disaster. Yep. Like because and and it's one of the things that I think these days that still the people who comment who talk a lot about the NFL for a living to me they don't really get to this point is that I don't think that even some great quarterbacks can help some teams who are awful. No. You know, and if your team's absolutely horrendous and you're a rookie coming into a team that's a joke, hey, look at some players who've 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 really flatlined their first year. You've had a Peyton Manning, you had Troy Aikman, they look terrible. And yep. but the club starts to build around them. You've got to give it time. I don't believe the guy at the Jets has had enough time to decide he's a bust. He had a shocker um, to, he had a shocker this week for Carolina, but that's gonna happen. But you will do that when you're young. Yes. You're talking Sam Darnold. No, 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 the Jets. I'm talking Zach Wilson. Oh, Zach Wilson. Sam Darnold's starting to get into that time where he's he's been in a couple of places and he's starting to look like the same guy he was at New York. But I think being at New York Jets is a bit like being at the Browns for the last 30 years. And it's now like being at the Dolphins. Yeah, well, you guys seem to have a bunch of problems of your own. Um, I think you've got to stick with the guy you got there now and teach him I... how to not throw interceptions at big times. He needs someone well... in his ear. I don't know what we need, mate. But um, I, I, I literally don't know what we need right now. But it's, it's uh, not a fun time to be a Finns fan, mate. Anyway, that stuff sucks. So we're staying in the awesomeness, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Let's just go to the awesomeness. Now, I actually put a post up uh, in the Miami Dolphins uh, page today, mate. I, I thought you might be a tiny bit interested. They always talk about identity in sports. And I think NFL gives you the ability to have an identity. In AFL, you've got 22 players, you know, 18 on the field, four, and then you've got your reserves. And an identity can take longer to shape, right? I think in a sport like the NFL, you can get an identity, right? So I posted up a question today because there's a lot of negativity as Miami Dolphins fans. So I thought, no, let's get something out there, a bit positive. So I've said, we haven't had an identity as a franchise for many years. Which would you prefer? And this has had tons of responses. So I put up there, A, we can have a smashing defense. B, a big throwing you've ne- game. You've never really had that. No, no. But I'm just saying to, to, our, to our supporters, hey, what would you mm. prefer from our team? And then I put A, a smashing defense. B, a big throwing game. C, pound and ground running game. Which do you think I would like? You just just knowing my me, knowing what I always I would say a pound and ground running game. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I love a good running game because I think it opens up even a mediocre passing game. Because you have to defend the run, and then you can do your dink and dunks to your tight ends and so forth. So for me, I love my running backs. We haven't had decent running backs in decades. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but the whole legend of the uh, Miami Dolphins before Dan Marino was built around a couple of great running backs in Larry Zonka and Mercury Morris. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what won us Super Bowls. That's what got us an undefeated season. Mm. Uh, a lot of people are coming out with answers like, um, here we go. What, what are some of the answers? Obviously, some people are saying, you know, 
they haven't answered it. And they'll say stuff like, not asking for much, but let's just get a win. <laughs> um, defense, because we haven't had one since 73. Uh, all of the above, which I don't, as I've said, I don't count that. I haven't put in an all of the above because, of course, you'd want that. But not surprisingly, and this is from Finn, fan, Finn fans, everyone would think Marino, big throwing game and so forth. But the majority of answers, and there's been a ton, have been the pound and ground running game. So do it. I think that I think I think that if you've got a guy like Tua, I think if you go out and and you know you you, you put a strong offensive line in front of him and you get a really productive running back, and you had one last year, didn't you? But I mean, we've had running backs. We just haven't we haven't stood by our running backs and we've let them be. It's the same. It's the same thing. If you've got no uh, offensive line, your running backs have no one to basically. Let's be honest. Some running backs at the moment, their O-line basically leads them those five or six yards. And they just I'll tell you what, on. to me, the NFL is simple. It's like rugby league and rugby union. And we spend all this time talking about, oh, my God, the quarterback to the wide receiver, the running back, tight ends, all the rest of it. The game is built around who's got the best offensive and defensive line. Yep. And it's just like rugby league and rugby union. What's your front row like? Do you have a good set of forwards? Have you got the guys who can do the hard work, the grunt, and take it out? And It opens up the game. Absolutely. And that was the biggest reason why our girls didn't um, get to where they wanted to go last this weekend is because, simply put, because of the demographics of our school, we yep. don't have the size up front. Yep. Uh, That's what a fair that, comment. What that means, uh, you can take it as it is, but you have to have some size – and we simply can't manufacture that in our, in our girls from where we draw our students from. No, exactly So it right. makes it really hard. So you have to have that type of size component and you have to have that kind of dominance in the hard work up front, the, the non-sexy positions, because we only talk about these guys because of those guys. 100% agree with you. Mate, um, look, what a weekend of EPL it was. Not, not, not a good one for you, me and Sean. But yeah. a fantastic one for Pete. So Pete, uh, as long-time listeners would know, is a Liverpool man, um, friend of the very big friend of the podcast. Uh, Sean is um, leads your Newcastle on Villa. So um, not the best weekend for us, but what a weekend for the big teams and. They really are starting to separate themselves in the pack. So Chelsea, seven uh, nil against Norwich. And I know there was a red card for Norwich, but it really didn't matter because Chelsea could have won this 10, 11, 12 nil. And we've spoken about Norwich so many times, mate. They, they're going to go down to the championship and they're too good for the championship, but they're not good enough for the Premier League. They're going to go. They're not, again. Yeah, they're not at the races in the Premier League. And, and you have to see for me, I have to be sweating on their results and hoping it stays that way. Well, it's I don't, I don't way, like mate. to be talking like that, but I have to. No, and saying, okay. well, that's bad for their goal difference. You know, I think you can already say they're going down. Mate, so we, we know the big results uh, here. Obviously, Chelsea threw down the gauntlet uh, and, and had a massive win early Saturday night. Uh, and then there's a couple great responses there. So we won't come to this game, but we'll come to the Man City game. They beat a really, really good Brighton 4-1. Um, and... Did 4-1 flatter City? 
I don't think it did. I, I just think they once again could have could have put on even more on Brighton. Um, Look, they're at, a great team, sorry. and Brighton aren't. They're a great team, and Brighton aren't. They've got a great manager. They've got everything you possibly want, and I can say that that's the model I'm hoping we follow soon. And then, mate, then what about the, Watford and Everton, man? What Watford? What what are they five two? Yeah. So I think. Um, you know, Everton were right in the game for a long period and Watford in the last half hour just went nuts. It was an unbelievable, or in the last 20 minutes, just unbelievable result that. And it was not, at, you know, I think it was at, uh, was it at, yeah, Watford were playing away. It was, a, it was at Goodison. Yeah, there you go. So you're Watford playing away and they've continued their rich vein of form and absolutely pumped and obviously pretty disappointing uh, Everton. Well, um, let's have the Everton board now turns on Rafa Saxon and we'll, ta- we'll have him back. You'll have him back? Maybe, maybe. Absolutely. I, I, think, I think you're walking bigger than that now. Um, no, 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 no. No, let's... There's... ...understands and, and knows how to build a team from the bottom up and he understands the city. I'd have him back in a heartbeat. I know you would. There's no way your own as well. I think you're, you're walking much... I think you'll be walking younger and... Uh, and prettier at the moment, mate. This is my opinion. Then, what? <laughs> what about this game, mate? What about this? Yeah, game? I know where you're going. Oh my god! It's a thing of beauty, isn't it? Oh, look, I've said it many times. I was almost a Liverpool supporter when I was growing up, and I went for Villa because a coach wore a Villa shirt. Right. So, as much as I love beating Liverpool when we play them, when they're playing someone like Man U, there's no question who I'm going to have a go. You know, who I'm going to support in that one. What an unbelievable result. I don't go for anyone in that fixture, man. I hate them both. Um, oh, you, yeah. I, I thought we were doing love tonight. I thought we were doing love. So let's do some love for Seller. Uh, Mo Seller. Who? What a performance. Mo. A hat trick against Man United. Yeah, he's one of the best. Well, what am I going to say to add to what he did? He's such a great player. He's got such a deft touch around the box. Um, everyone loves watching him play. He's an all-time great. And, and to, but to do player, that at Old Trafford, to do that at Old Trafford, you the, know, the young, I think the first it doesn't player, matter. Hey? Is he, he's the first player to score a hat-trick in the Premier League times um, at, 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 Old at Old Trafford. Yep. You serious? Really? Yep. Yep. Jeez, no Alan Shearer? Nope. Wow. Yeah, I thought um, it was Well, same. good on him. That's a good we result. Go, we can go through the books and look at that, but I, I was looking through stuff uh, over the weekend and I couldn't find any opposition player who'd scored a hat-trick at all. I, I know Shearer scored no, a No, Terry Henry? No. I know he scored braces. We're talking at Old Trafford. I yeah, if he hadn't scored the third, the referees would have done whatever they could have done to found, find an offside. So, mm, I can believe so, that. It's, it's not like it's an easy place to win. Oh, no. So to then get a hat-trick, you've got to really think about that. Um, you think, oh, surely it must have happened, a hat-trick against Manchester United at Old Trafford since the Premier League started. But I'm pretty sure it's, it is. Uh, but, it, look, it's a three-horse race. And I think it's going to go down the wire between Liverpool. And, and I think we were talking that um, it would be a, a Chelsea. Uh, some of us put Liverpool. We had Man United up there, but they, they are... It's not happening. I think in, it, what's great news for our friends who are United fans, and I think of people that maybe we worked with previously, like Pascal and Yance, 
yep. and all the all the good fellas who love Man U, is that after all of that browbeating about how terribly Steve Bruce is being treated, uh, he's available yep. now, and you guys can pick him up if you need him. Well, that was the f- that was also the first time. There you go. Um, that was the first time that Man United have trailed four 0 at half time uh, in the Premier League. Well, welcome. Yeah, that's welcome a stat I club. can believe. I can believe that stat. Yeah. Well, I, I can believe that stat. Well, well, we'll try and find it. We'll try and find that if it is the case. I, I like I like my statistics in that regards. Just having a quick look while we're waiting. Uh, da, da, da. Didn't keep talking while I'm just looking for. I'm going through all different stats on pages I've got to try and find this. Look, guys, I will find the stat for you. Just say it so and everyone will believe you. Let, let, let other people find it for you, mate. You'll be right. Oh, I don't like Hey, guess what? Guy. This is the first time in the Premier League that Brentford's lost 2-1 to, Man- to Leicester City. <laughs> There's a stat. <laughs> that is a good stat. And Leicester are playing some very good football. Again, and it's not they? even at Filbert Street, which is where it should have been played, but they don't play there anymore. So... Uh, any any other takes out of that? Like our teams obviously struggled. There was a few draws. Leicester beating Brentford was a, a great result for Leicester. Um, now, West. What about Callum look. Wilson's goal? What a goal that was! My goodness, that's uh, definitely definitely one of the goals of the season so far. Would you call that, it? What would you call it? Would you call it a scissor kick? Call it if you want. Overhead volley. I call it a volley. Great goal. I just call it a great goal. So. Mate, we're nine rounds in. Uh, Chelsea on top on 22. Liverpool 21, followed by Man City on 20. And then West Ham, even with a couple of their results, um, are on 17 points. Well, they beat Spurs so, 1-0. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean, that Champions League spot is really up for grabs. At four well, the Spurs there. fans are pretty bent out of shape about the treatment of Steve Bruce. He's there if you want him. Yeah, well, look... I just love the fact that players have come out and, and said what a great guy he is. And that's, that's look, sport's not just about winning. Yeah, we all want to win. But I love the fact that he has made those players from your team feel good about themselves over the years and stuff. That, that's got to say something about you. And that's I know I've been a little, a little bit how you're going with that in the last couple of weeks, but I've always maintained that Steve did a good job of keeping us up. You have I know he loves that, the mate. club. And I've said yeah. that, that I... Hey... I didn't need to see an interview with Alan St. Maximum last week on Talk Sport to know that St. Maximum had always credited him with being the player he is. Had, the reason St. Maximum's at our club is because of Steve Bruce. Yeah. So you're going to take that my hat off there because his thing is as is, is a man manager. But there's no one. There's no one who follows Manchester United who thinks that he's going to take over coaching that club. Well, Mate, you know that I'm a bit of a social media whore. Um, so I've got my Villa pages and Twitter feed and everything up as well. Have one called Australian Villa Fans. You can get us at Aussie Villains. Um, so I put up a poll there yesterday because every week our supporters, who are pretty vicious to our own, um, every <laughs> week they say get rid of Dean Smith. Every week. because Dean Oh, Smith's no, I wouldn't do that. He's actually awesome. But it's not Dean Smith in my mind. It's a problem. We just don't have a squad that gels well at the moment. You, you, you can... There's going to be times in sport where your team really gels and they don't. Uh, unfortunately, you put us under pressure down back, and whilst our defenders can defend at times, they're not good with the ball at their feet. Well, you've uh, lost three in a row. You've lost three in a row, haven't you? Yeah, mate. So, and 
if you lose three on the bounce, that puts you in a position where you're in danger from a team like us. If we win three on the bounce, we'll go straight past you. Yeah, I've got to be honest, mate. I'm, I'm not too stressed about uh, – we're on 10 points and we've lost three in a row, but I'm not too stressed about it because we haven't had our team together at all this season where, you know, you've had Bailey, you've had Watkins, you've had Ings, you've had all those players playing the one team. So I mm. think we'll be okay. I think we'll be fine, mate. The squad's pretty deep. So it th- feels to me like a really slow start to the year. I mean, I feel like the bottom half is a lot of people running through mud. Mate, I think and... it's been a great. I think it's been a great start to the year. No, I mean... because I'm I'm living in the bottom half of the table. I probably feel the same way as Sean. Yeah, you know, it's mate, like, I, gee, it's I've slow. Been there. I've been there for me. I've been there for many years. I remember when Villa. Well, you're was... in the bottom half of the table. You're thirteenth. Yeah, but we're fine, mate. As, as we say before, we're in the bottom half of the table, uh, 13th, and, um, you know, you're four points off uh, off seventh. So it's just that kind of season. You're yeah, right. You're you get a right. few results. You get a few results. I'm I'm happy with where we're at. Um, I mean, not happy. You know, I think, you know, I'm not stressed at all about the season. But the question I had up there is I put up our weekly Smithgate update, not because I'm a Smith out, because I'm not. Because I actually put in this question. Once again, I am in the Smith in camp. But here it is. Smith in, Smith out. Don't know. Stop these polls. The surprising study is 26% people said stop the polls. So, so far, had a couple hundred votes there. So that's, you know, 50 (laughs) people saying, dude, stop the polls. So guess what's going to happen next week? Another poll? (laughs) No, I might not. I might actually listen to people for once. No poll up there. But, um. Look, down the bottom end, as you were saying, Norwich, there's no way on God's earth they're surviving. They're on negative 21 goals already. They've scored two goals. Uh, They've scored two goals in nine games. I think that says absolutely everything. They've scored six less goals than any other team in the comp. uh, Any other team in the comp. So they're down. Newcastle and Burnley are on four. But, you know, they're only three points away from safety. So it's going to be a long, long season. We need a win. Southampton will take our place eventually down there. And you know what? Even though Watford won at the weekend, I think they'll go as well. So there you go. Well, you know, what What, what are Watford on? Um, I'd have to have a look at that. Watford's on uh, 10 points. So the thing with Watford is they go, I think they're going to get enough wins. I, I, I think they, they're not a team that's going to draw a lot. <laughs> they're either going to get wins or losses. Um the school, yeah, music, yeah, yeah. the school music for the last week has been Elton John, the remix of um, um, Rocket Man. I don't like it. For that reason, Watford can go down. Mate, um, keep on the world game. The Matildas played um, Brazil in a term that my dad and I hate. I hate this term because it is very rarely the, the fact. Please don't call them friendlies. Just call them internationals whether it's for a World Cup place, uh, an Asia Cup place, or it, it is just for no points or whatever, they're not friendlies. And the uh, Matildas beating Brazil the other night, 3-1, there was nothing friendly about that game. Both teams know that they have to try and... They know how good each other are. They have to assert for future years. And Matildas got a scrappy but really good win, 3-1 over Brazil. Um, how am I going to say this? If there's anybody who doesn't realise how big of a win that is and they follow sport in even a passing way and you don't realise what, what it means in football to beat Brazil, 
then there's probably nothing we can do to help you. And I was explaining that to my kids the other day um, who watched it with me. Um, I was explaining because, you know, they're, they're – relatively new to the world game and the machinations of it, but they're interested mm. in that. And I was explaining to them that this is a country that lives, sleeps, breathes one code. Yes, they have other sports, but football is life to Brazilians, whether it is a men's team or women's team. So for Australia to get that win um, and the way they did it, Claire Polkinghorne scoring, go you good thing, just scored her first goal for her uh, club team as well. Was How has the Polk been going? She's been awesome, hasn't she? She played oh, great yeah. at the Olympics. It's just unbelievable. I, I'm sorry if I'm um, uh, spouting this, but we were going through the team the other day, and it was pretty cool because Tamika, Tamika Yellop, who was Tamika Butt, was Sean and my first interview on a Gold Coast football show we did. Mm-hmm. Um, ha- um, Haley wasn't in the team, obviously. is the daughter of all a friend of all of ours. Uh, yep. Polkinghorn, Pol- Claire Polkinghorn and I, um, knew each other through the Brisbane Raw and sat uh, at an Australian Football Awards. And it's one of my favourite photos with any celebrity, uh, a picture with, with Claire, because I'm wearing a tux. I can't believe I wore a tux. Um, so it was just amazing to go through that team and have some of those connections. I know it sounds silly, but I feel more connected to the Matildas than I do the Socceroos. No, but you're entitled to do that because people who maybe don't know who are listening to this is that Paul and Sean know everybody involved with the with the Australian women's football setup, I don't as know how you do Pete. it. As does and Pete. Pete as well. I'm not me. <laughs> I, I, I know a little bit more about the rugby side of things, but I, I do know a, a few of those Matildas. And um, yeah, you guys are very well connected to them and entitled to um, be a part of their success. We're just proud because I think that. Um... I, I remember interviewing Tamika, and she was um, she had her parents there with us. Uh, for this show and it was one of our first interviews and she was so nervous about coming on our show and she didn't know we were so nervous having this what we saw as a future footballing star this was the Polk no no this is um uh no this is uh Tamika uh was to make Tamika but and it's just funny to, to look back at those times and she was um before we did the radio show we were talking about surfing and stuff and she was just learning how to surf so I was telling her about the size boards and everything that she might want to look at. So yeah, it's it's kind of one of those. Do you remember me? Do you remember me trying to have a cigarette on the radio show? <laughs> was remember that the that? um? Was that the Logan? Was that the yeah. Logan show? <laughs> yeah. So for anyone who doesn't right. know, um, we used to do a radio show on the Gold Coast, um, and then um, John would come on and do a radio show with us in Logan. So we, we had Gold Coast in the morning and Logan in the afternoon. And then on Sundays, I would be doing live, um, crossovers for soccer around Brisbane and the Gold Coast as well. They were, they were fun times, man. They were fun. And and the spirit of Diego Maradona lives on, doesn't it? (laughs) Oh, Mate, I, I tell you what, if anyone doubts that we don't love Diego, they've never listened to anything we've ever done. We've actually so, had the, it's the first run of maybe a couple of months where we didn't mention him. And yeah, we're back again. Uh, mate, we talk about our favourite sporting people, but I, I don't think as many have ever touched my heart the way uh, Diego has. Marathon won. one. Oh, just love that man so much. So, you know, mm. I, and it will always be a part of my footballing history and just knowing where he came from, but also the joy he gave so many people. 
you, you, there's not many sporting people, if you think about it right now, there's not many sporting people out there who give people that absolute pleasure, don't you? know what I mean? I, I can't think of too many right now who do. It's interesting watching Tom Brady, and I kind of get a kick out of what he's Ooh, doing, but it's, yeah, it's different. It's not the same. It's it's nowhere near the same as watching the little street urchin, you know, pick up. But Tom Brady's got some parts of that with him. He's got the 196th, you know, picking the draft. Didn't his body was pretty? It wasn't very tight when he first got in. No, he um he, he makes me feel good. I, I look back at him at 22 or 23. I think he's 23, hmm. and his body looks like mine now, and I'm 48. So well yeah. done, Tom. And all that, so uh, he's nowhere near the same thing. But you've got to have a little bit of that underdog about you, don't you? I I agree. People have to be able to identify with you. And I think the last year and a bit, people have identified more with Tom Brady since he's gone to the Bucks than they ever did at the Pats. And yeah, I want I, him out of the NFC. I don't like him there because he's cutting down my lunch with the Packers. But absolutely, it's amazing to see him doing with the, the Buccaneers because they look absolutely unstoppable right now. And and, congratu- and with a lot of injuries as well. And congratulations, yeah. Tom threw his 600th pass, uh, touchdown pass of his career. And <laughs> who was it who caught the pass? Did he pass the um, he passed the ball into the crowd? Did you hear about that? Uh, yeah, it was oh, the big receiver. I can't remember his name. Sorry. And it, it, do you know they get fined for doing that? If they pass uh, the ball and stuff up to the crowd, me. they get a, a pretty big – I think they have to buy a new ball. Um, and I think they pay a, a sizable uh, fee as well. And I, I was listening to podcasts this week where people are saying, oh, they know they shouldn't do it and everything. Holy crap, what have we become? A player scores a touchdown, pass the ball to someone in the crowd. Or, you know, he... he um, Mike Evans it was. Oh, Mike Evans. Yeah, and yeah. Mike Evans passed it to a fan. He actually pointed the fan out who was wearing a Mike Evans Tampa uh, jersey. Uh, yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. Now... The so the fan right. It's been this is this is an interesting one. So once again, I'll put this question up on Facebook and Twitter. If you had been given the ball from a six hundredth game, would you keep the ball or would you give it back to Tommy's got everything anyway? <laughs> Knowing what I know about Americans and memorabilia and cash, I yep. would have said, "Come and see me after the game." Well, this is what he. This is what the uh, supporter got. Okay, so. Um, here we go. Let's have a look. Okay. So he got a signed jersey from Mike Evans. He got a two signed jerseys, a helmet from Brady, a signed Evans jersey again, another one, and his game cleats plus $1,000 credit at the Buccaneers team store. So he's got, he's got two jerseys, three jerseys all up, a helmet and $1,000 credit. Now I know that people could hold off for. Uh, that's some well, good. That's some good memorabilia. But you know what? Where is the rub down from Giselle? I'm not going to, uh, as you would say, touch that, so to speak. Um, <laughs> I'm not getting myself in trouble on that one. I actually, a lot of people said that he would have. Uh, they would have got five hundred to five hundred thousand to a million dollars American if they'd held on to that ball. But so that's your debate. Would you take the jerseys, the helmet from Brady, um, and the cleats from Mike Evans in that game? So his cleats for Aussies, his boots, as you might know. They call them cleats in America because they want to be different to everyone. 
Um, I, I would have would, held on to it because mm. um, it's not the 400th or the 500th. It's the first time anyone's gone past 600. Yep. It's a big-time game ball. I think Mike Evans didn't know what was going on when he passed it out. No, he didn't. He didn't. He had no idea. Which is kind of nice to know that a dude isn't caught up in all that money-making charade because it didn't take long for them to come looking for it. The speed they came looking for it. If, if I'm a fan... I reckon I'm pretty clued up on that. That's why you always have your earpiece in the game, listen to the radio. That's the 600th touchdown game ball. First time it's ever happened. Hang on to that and buy a new house. Well, mate, there's been heaps of stories going around, so we don't quite know exactly. No one's reported exactly because the guy hasn't come out and said what they got. So, so there's all different reports. We know for a fact that he got a $1,000 uh, credit at the Buccaneers team store. Come on, they're still going to cut it. That's not no. going to cut it. No, but um, the jerseys from Mike Evans, uh, the helmet from uh, Tom Brady and stuff like that, if it's a match-worn helmet by Tom Brady, I doubt it. And people go, why wouldn't he give a, a, a match helmet away? Because they're worth millions. Not just are they worth millions. Some of the players will wear that same helmet. You only get one helmet. Mm. And, and they get so comfortable with it. The straps are right. Everything's right. Do you remember some of the players when they changed? There's the no match. Actually, you know, when you say that there's there's no match worn helmets floating around because they sign replicas. Yes, they do. Because some players will wear a helmet. There's been some players who've worn the same helmet their whole career. So if mm. you remember, only a few years ago, they Antonio um, Brown was famous yes. for that. Well, Antonio Brown cracked it, didn't he? Uh, a couple of years ago, when they changed the helmets to be another safer design, <laughs> and he said he was going to refuse to play if he couldn't wear his old helmet. Yeah, well, they're getting rid of his helmet because it was one of the ones that was said to be leaving because it had about as much padding in it as as if he put a hanky on his head and then popped one of those, you know, the little um, you buy as a three year old. Yep. It literally had that much padding in it, and that's what it yes. had. And I was saying it wasn't well, good enough. That's one of the reasons he cracked the um, the you know what's with the NFL. I think you've um, I think you have turned me on this one. I was initially thinking, no, give the ball back. You're a fan. This, that, and the other. I think if that ball is worth you know anywhere between half a million and a million, right? So and it's come and get it to you. I would say pay it. It's not like anyone who's going to uh, who knows. Um, a company could have come out and bought it, you know, and that would have been a great promotion for a company, wouldn't it? We bought the helmet and gave it back to Tom. That hey, man, in the, in, in, let, let's be realistic here. In the NFL, if you're yep. clubs and that dude sitting there is wearing the number that you want, and that was the number you had at your last club, you have to buy him out. Well, I reckon he could get millions for that. Uh, I actually think they could have got millions for the ball, mate, because – there's 27 or 28 players who have um, scored 500 touchdown uh, passing touchdowns, but he's the only one with 600. Uh, um, so no, there's not 27 or 28. There's about eight. No. So throwing touchdown passes. Yeah, oh, yeah you're no. right. You're right. You're right. There's, you're there's right. only no, a couple. No, no, no. There's, I know where there's, there's Drew Brees, Peyton there Manning, is. Brett Favre, and that's it. You're right. I know where the 20. I know where the 20 odd in my head's come from. And the That's comparison that. is, no, baseball, 500, mm. 500 home runs. There's, there's 28 in that club, I think. So There's only four uh, in that club because yeah. Brett Favre set the record yes, when he retired. Is. You're right. But, and, yeah, that's where I have yeah. the 20. 
because you and I, it, whilst we refer to things, we don't have stat sheets and stuff sitting in front of us when we mm. do this podcast. So we're trying to remember mm-hmm. a lot of stuff off our bat. But I do yeah. know that there's 27 or 28. That's right. 20, it's 27 or 28 baseballers have hit 500 home runs. So if you consider that Tom Brady's the only quarterback who's ever got 600, man, you've just turned me on that. Keep the ball. Well, today, today Matt Stafford, who's a pretty accomplished quarterback and is yep. getting to be some age, he he was a number one draft pick. He's been around for a long, long time, longer than uh, longer than Aaron Rodgers because he came through in that in that time when there wasn't a minimum wage. Uh, he he just threw his three hundredth touchdown. Holy dooly! I mean, I knew there was a disparity, but that's double. That's a. I mean, we know Tom Brady is the the goat, right? Years yeah. ago, I used to argue with people that I didn't think Tom Brady was the greatest quarterback ever. Now that that that's gone out the window, of course. Well, him and Peyton look, him and Peyton Manning, Andrew Brees went toe to toe with with those records. Yep. And before that, the guy that they were taking out was Brett Favre. And part, for yards and, and, part, and touchdowns and all that. And, and and Dan Marino before that. So yeah. And Dan so, Marino was the guy before that. And records are there. They're meant to be broken. And, you know, Tom's breaking everyone. They're saying no one's ever going to get there. Um, you know, why would you say that? Because you just don't know. Oh, you don't know. I mean, but I mean, and, and quarterbacks are so protected now, right? For, for, for good and bad reasons. Quarterbacks are so protected now that records are there to be broken again. Some of those oh, rules like- in the NFL when it comes to protecting the quarterback are absolute BS. Well, where, where you tackle a quarterback in time, but you fall on him, all right? And mm. I get it. We don't want a quarterback in. We don't want our quarterbacks injured because they're the pinups of the comp. But where you legitimately get the quarterback at the same time that he releases it, but then you land on him, it's roughing the passer. Come they still on. have to be considered as football players. Hundred percent. I mean, mm. I get the targeting. If I, I love the fact whether it's a quarterback or wide receiver and everything, right? I love the fact that you can't target their head and you can't lower your helmet into their helmet. I, I think that is really important these days. But mm-hmm. if you take the ball, if you're a quarterback and you decide to, to, to run the ball, you become a running back in my mind. So, I totally agree. So, you know, you chose to do that. Oh, anyway, I don't like the knees being targeted. I don't like the head being targeted. I don't like that. But if you are there to be tackled, bang, you're gone, mate. That That's one thing about a lot of sport at the moment that's really mm, annoying me. So the other thing, mate, um, we've covered a fair bit of sports tonight. I think we've already covered a fair bit. Mate, one of the things I we've just only wanted to bring up too. with you. We've only, we've only looked at NFL. <laughs> For those of our, of our listeners who don't like NFL, I apologise. <laughs> Yes, we, we do get onto that a bit. Mate, the World Series of Baseball is starting tomorrow. Wow. Well, you know... Oh, yeah, I'm... the Braves are in it, aren't they? Is it Atlanta? Yes, it is, yeah. So, mm. if anyone's not following um, the World Series, I'm going to give updates all the time because I love, I absolutely love um, my baseball, as you know, and I follow a team that does not have success or hasn't had success and they are the small brother, but I love my New York Mets. Um, so we got Atlanta taking on Houston. And if anyone is who, who is not a Houston fan... Wasn't Houston the team that was done for sending illegal messages? They were banging Are drums. they the cheating team? 
they were the team that was banging drums to signal what the pitcher was going to pitch. All right. Well, what was the outcome for them from those investigations? Because everything that I heard was that they were just a bunch of complete frauds, cheats. Well, they they still they are still the world champs. So so there was no sanction for them. Oh, there were sanctions. There was financial sanctions, but they still um, held the World Series. So, I mean, if you're a supporter of the Houston Astros, you're still going to walk back and say we were the World, you know, World Series champions. Um, now, if you're not a Houston Astro fan, if you are, of course you're allowed to follow them. If you're not a Houston Astro fan and you're not supporting the Braves in this, I'm not sure who you are. Because the Braves have such a history of coming close in the World Series. Um, I'm just really excited to see the. You know, I love having a good guy and a bad guy in, in any kind of series. And I'll be really going for the Braves. And no, no, that, they had that ridiculous thing this year where the stupid, overly woke um, MLB moved the All-Star game from, from Atlanta. And that's the only thing I know about them. And it should never have happened. Yep. So, you know, all that stuff tied in with a bunch. They find a bunch of cheats. Go Atlanta. I'll, I'll watch that. My friend Rob's an Atlanta Braves fan, so that sounds good. So we're going to uh, – the Love Sport podcast, unless you're a Houston uh, Astros fan, and I'm sure there are plenty of Aussie Houston fans out there, um, we're going to be following the Braves. So go the Braves in the World Series. Um, mate, I'll tell you what. My old man wanted uh, to bring this up because he's talking about it all the time. He's absolutely loving the WBBL this year. And I've got to say that it, it, I haven't watched enough of it, but, but when I have, I've actually really enjoyed it. I, I've always enjoyed the WBBL, and I, I fell off a little bit. But We talked about it last week, didn't we? I, yeah, we, we I, did. We did. Look, it's been, it's been an interesting competition and all good. I do think they've got to get the boundaries out a little bit. Oh, my dad's going to love you, mate, because my dad has been saying, you know what? These, these, uh, these women are hitting the ball so long now. We've got to get the boundaries out a bit. We've got to change it up a little bit. So, like, I, uh, even even I would like to battle with those boundaries. Well, the Brisbane Heat are on top at the moment, um, so they've played four. Um, they're on top, and it's going to be it's a really tight series already. So, we'll we'll, we'll keep you updated on that. I we said it last week. We're starting to love seeing um, some of the women um, bowl faster. So, we, I think that's a really good change. Uh, because the spin bowl is for men and women. If it's just going to be that, it does bore me a little bit. Uh, there's some kind of um, World Cup on at the moment, mate, in cricket. Well, the T20 World Cup's going at the moment. I did want to ask you a question, actually. And like, it feeds into all that stuff. That the, the T20 World Cup's going gangbusters. And it looks great. And Afghanistan just had a massive win. They beat Scotland um, and yep. did it in record yep. fashion. Now, the Afghanistan team is in the crosshairs in Australia because the ACB and all of us here have decided that well, with the Taliban there, we can't possibly play a test match against the Afghanistan men because of the women's stuff. Now, we are big proponents of women's sport. Yep. Real, this is a complete question about notice. So for anybody out there, this is a tough question for both of us, and I just want to see where you stand. Okay, mate. The Afghanistan men's tests were cancelled this year against Australia. Mm-hmm. Because of the way the Taliban treats women, which let's face it, everyone knows exactly what that means. And everybody who lives in a Western country has watched as their countries have walked away from the commitments in those places 
and just disappeared and left them to themselves. But right. now, things like what um, uh, the men's cricket tests have been cancelled to send a strong message back to Afghanistan about the, with the, why they treat uh, women. As, right? as happened to South Africa with apartheid? Now, yeah, but do you think that penalising the Afghanistan men's team who have been struggling for recognition in the sport, let's be honest, you're not talking about South Africa and uh, hmm. Springboks in, in the 70s and, and 80s or cricket, um, the South African cricket team back then or Russia or anything like that for recognition even to even be anywhere. Um, how do you feel about that? Because I'm not sure what I think. Yeah, it's a good question. I and mean, uh, look, I've got to say that obviously I don't think they should be kicked out um, or, or, or because there's other ways to do sanctions um, against countries, right? Because it's a tough one, isn't it? Do you I think the Afghanistan think... men's cricket team is going to be having as much of a tough time as as anyone in the history of Test cricket? I, I That's what I think. Mm. It's a really tough one because, I mean, I have thoughts about we all know where we stand about the atrocities committed on people, right? We're not, that's neither here nor there. But, I mean, should Australia be banned for not committing to any of our um, <laughs> obligations for, you know, in the environment and so forth? I mean, there's a lot of lines we could draw. Um, I hate seeing sport used um, as a political weapon. It's just me. I hate it because it feels like a bit of a cop-out for me. I, who so are we hurting? By, the thing is, who are we hurting? We're by not turning hurting. away the Afghanistan men's cricket test team we're from playing a test Taliban. match in Australia. We're not hurting the Taliban one iota. Do you think the Taliban? I don't know, but I can't imagine the Taliban's kicking in and and getting ready to watch the T20 against um, whoever they're playing next. Um, no, those guys are living outside the borders already. So th- that's what I'm trying to say. So I mean, sport can be a big political weapon. It's been used in the past, but I want to mm. see a whole myriad of, of sanctions and, and, and other things happen. I mean, God, we're not a political show. I'm not as versed um, in, in, in politics as some people, but this is, there's other ways to go about punishing. Well, we're, br- we're actively bringing Afghani women sports people to Australia and trying yep. to get them out of the country yep. at the same time. So to me, it just doesn't make any sense yeah, to go that's and a good call. get on the on the on the guys who are who are <laughs> what opportunities not, are they going to get? And, what, and what, what opportunities you, are they yeah. they going to get? I mean, it's, uh, to me, it's just BS. Yeah, it's not the you know. Like, there you go. There's the answer. It's not the right way to go in this case. Yes, we can see why it hurt the Springboks, and we could see it's how it not hurt the Springboks in the eighties or nineties. And the Proteas, yeah. We we can see it's a, it is a different thing. Um, mm. It feels like an easy hit. For the sporting bodies, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it just feels too easy. Um, if it was England, would it happen? Or would? Yeah. I don't want to get into that, mate. Oh, it's a really no, there wouldn't be like question. that in England. No, I know, and I know that we don't want to get too heavy with stuff. But I just was looking at, I thinking, you know what? The mm. Afghan men are doing an amazing thing there at the T Twenty World Cup. It's a good news story. Yeah, it's a good news but story. But it's also then. You know, darkened by the fact that we won't be hosting them this year because of the treatment of women, and like, like you don't have to be Einstein to know that that's an issue. Look, true, 
but then we've got issues in our own backyard and we always mm. say we always say about you know people in glass houses we always talk about it on this show anyone who's really pious and neglecting you know we've got a massive we don't want to go too deep into this there is a massive issue with domestic violence in this country whether totally. it's through alcohol or other things right so what are 100%. we doing in that what are we doing in that regards to educate men you know it, it's just, you know, uh, there's so many things. We are an embarrassment at the moment with what we're doing with our, you know, uh, emissions targets and so forth. It looks like we're coming to the party because we're being forced to. We if are. We're getting gonna, there. If there's one country in the world, we have the CSIRO. We have some of the greatest um, scientists that the world's ever seen. We invented Wi-Fi, for goodness sake. Uh, the hill's hoist. Come on. We invented the United Nations. But we have, you know, uh, we're an island country. We have large arid areas. We have massive winds produced uh, across the country. We have abundant sunshine for most of the year. Yet we so we should play our test match against Afghanistan in Mount Isa. There we go. But I suppose oh. what I'm trying to say is there's a lot of things that we could be doing and we aren't as big a country as we think we are. So we should be leading the way. But instead of punishing, why don't we, you know, do the opposite to that and say, hey, things are not great in your country at the moment, Afghanistan. So you've turned me around on this. Here's your beacon of light. We want to play you. I think the ACB jumped to that way too quickly and didn't think about what it actually meant. And they're not going to be held to account for it because the Afghan team is at the T20 World Cup anyway. And, and, and here's the other thing, mate. Um, As that- the good news story. Sport has jumped on a lot of different bandwagons and it seems like one week we are celebrating women's diversity, uh, one week we're celebrating Indigenous, one week we're celebrating this, that and the other. I don't want it to be a weekly thing. I want us just to do it. As no, just play some games. Play, play sport and just do it as a natural thing. Mm. I mean, I look, at, I look at AFL and I look at the diversity there with, Muslim players and Indigenous players who are just sensational. And I'm sorry if that's wrong to say, but some of my favourite ever players are Indigenous players of all codes, rugby league and so forth. We've got women's sport happening. Let's use sport and just... We can see what's on the field. We don't have to have it shoved down our throat every week. Does that make sense? I I think sports are diverse at the moment. I think that's probably what we were trying to get to the other week. And maybe Mm. we didn't explain it that well, is that the frustration with the political railroading and stuff. See, I think this Afghanistan cricket thing is a perfect um, uh, hold-up or metaphor, whatever you want, to say that you can't fix it, sport. But you can be a part of fixing it. How can you kick out the Afghan men when you know that... They play the T20 during the Big Bash. All the individuals will come in and play because they're big ticket items. Uh, they're right down the bottom of the pole of this thing. They're going to play them out in Townsville or Mount Isa or whatever. Just play the goddamn games. Hey, mate, before there's no before way we... they get there's no way they're going to say to Pakistan, you can't come because you've got some you know laws against women at your place, is it? No, exactly right, mate. Look, uh. Something I was thinking about the other night before we go and stuff. There is a sport sitting there with 
billions of dollars going into it, right? That women are going to absolutely dominate in the next few years and be the only people who who are the active part of it. Do you know what sport I'm talking about? Uh, yep. What sport? Mm. Roulette? Well, yeah, it could be. It's no, happening no, no, right no. now. What are you the talking spring- about? The spring carnival's on right now, right? Oh, racing. Oh, please. And, no, no, no. Just hear me out on this. Hear me out on this. That is going to be a sport where women are going to absolutely dominate the next two years. Because biology says men are getting heavier and heavier and heavier. Yet they're not changing the weights on horses and all that kind of stuff, right? So the only people, theoretically, who are going to be able to ride horses in the future, and less than 20-odd years ago, didn't even have their own change rooms, will be female jockeys. So that's going to be interesting. For anyone watching the spring racing carnival, and I don't, I don't really give a hoot about it, but women will dominate that sport in the next few years. And yet, only 20 years ago, they didn't even have their own change rooms at a lot of uh, race courses. So there you go. That's a sport. Okay. That's, that's cool because I don't know anything about racing and I'm pleased. Oh, you know what? I want to be educated, so thank you. Well, Here's another, if, I'm sorry to be really boring about this, Race uh, racing is a massive part of my family. My uncles, my cousins um, have been jockeys, they've been strappers, they've been trainers. And so I know a lot about horses. Forget about horse racing, I couldn't punt to save my life, right? But in terms of horses and, and galloping styles and all that, I know, I know a little bit, I know enough, right? A lot of people say that horse racing is cruel. Right? And, and I don't disagree. I've seen a lot of cruelty and so forth in the sport. And everyone says we should ban horse racing right now. In America, there's heaps of deaths happening with horses. In Australia, we see it every year in Melbourne Cups and so forth. Right? But the people who are asking for racing to be banned, do they actually know what will happen to horses if they get rid of horse racing altogether? There'll be no thoroughbreds to start with because no one's going to spend money on them. Any of the thoroughbreds that are out there right now will be euthanized because no one's going to take on hundreds of thousands of racehorses. So unless you come out with a plan for something, come out with a plan. Don't tell me you want to ban horse racing and not have a plan for what's going to happen afterwards because you're going to get rid of hundreds of thousands of jobs, whether it's someone cleaning a stables, whether it's a strapper, whether it's jockeys. You're going to have hundreds of thousands of horses euthanized and you're also going to get rid of billions of dollars from the economy. Some people might say that's a good thing. So just for those in this spring racing carnival who want to ban horse racing, I actually do empathise and understand where you're coming from. And you're from. a guy who doesn't like gambling. Well, because for me, it was a problem. I, I, I know, I, but you're against gambling per se. I am against gambling per se because for mm. me, it was a problem. And I've got no issues saying that I had mm. no ability to control myself, but I don't do that now. But that doesn't make me a good guy. You don't have to go back into the minutiae. I'm simply saying that Mm. what you're talking about there is saying that the industry itself and I think the industry itself and gambling can be separated. Yes. They employ employ multiple hundreds and thousands of people. And that's a big part of Australia. If you you don't like – look, if you don't like horse racing, who cares? I don't care. No, I, I don't actually don't. like horse racing, and I don't care. Do you know what I mean? But I, I, I suppose my argument there, or is I actually, I, I actually think it's right to exist is fine. It's part of our culture, and so 
and I might totally continue. understand it. And I suppose I just wanted to put out a different viewpoint for people who talk about, you know, the cruelty to animals and talk about different things. There's always two sides to it. And I just want you to come out with an answer for what happens if that industry dies. Those guys have got a big megaphone and it's called social media and their perspective is grossly blown out of proportion like every other issue. Mates, I've had an absolute ball on this podcast um, tonight. I love talking and having different viewpoints to you. What is, as a final viewpoint, what's the greatest night out you've ever had with a sports person? With a sports person? Mm, I'm sure, I know well, Sean's it's, got plenty of stories. Hello. Look, it's interesting, but I just want to – I was going to wrap up. You know, you always say, oh, you got this or that from from yeah. your own sport. At the weekend, just before we played our semi-final against Brisbane State High, I was lucky enough – pardon me, I'm going to clear my throat. I was lucky <laughs> enough to um, get to um, uh, have a chat with the great Wallaby Todd Kefu. Oh, awesome. Who was on the sidelines as part of the coaching unit for Brisbane State High, the team we played in that semi-final. Is and he still a big unit? He's huge, mate. And But he's better. And I just said to him, I said, you know what? I, I said, uh, I just wanted to tell him that I'm, I was pleased he was there. And he was, I, I can't remember exactly what I said, but you understand what I'm saying. Like, yeah. Like, if you don't know about it out there, people... Um, he was the subject of a home invasion oh. in Brisbane, the suburb of Cooparoo. Him yep. and his family were terrorised by a group of people and thought I was um, stabbed and so he were was stabbed. members of, of his family. And he nearly died. So uh, that was only a couple of months ago. Um, he was there. I went up, shook his hand and said, it's awesome to see him there, a little, you know, a nice little moment. And, you know, we duly went out and beat his state high team with it and it was good. But what a great man and a great and a great sports person, a great Australian. Yeah. And, you know, if he had... And for anyone who doesn't know Cooparoo, yeah. Cooparoo is actually quite an affluent area, um, mm. probably 15 minutes out of Brisbane. Uh, mm. An easy 15 minutes. When I say an easy 15 minutes, it, it, if you've got traffic going well, it's bang, straight into the city. So it's not like it's a poor area or anything like that. It's actually quite affluent. So it can happen anywhere to anyone. Well, it's the equivalent of Richard being stabbed in his home in Melbourne. That's a great call. It's like that. Right? Yep. So you're talking about one of the, the great Wallabies of all time. And it was great to see him out there, coach his girls. And it was a special moment for me to be able to go up and shake his hand and say, I'm pleased you're okay. Well, that, honestly, that's beautiful, man. Because I was, I was weighing it up the other day and I was talking to Dad this morning about it. The two, one is being seated at the same. That I was telling you about uh, an awards night years ago. I was an independent journalist doing sport at that stage. And I was writing a lot of articles and I don't write anymore. Um, mm-hmm. and maybe I will again, but for me, it took a lot of energy to write because that probably doesn't make sense, but I invested so much energy into the, my writing. If yeah, writing's read hard. It, it's I harder than really talking. if you want to do it well. Um, yeah, it is, definitely. And at that point, I was, I don't know who nominated me, but I was put up for all these soccer awards or football awards. Sorry if I called it soccer, guys. Um, and so that's where, you know, I was had the photos with Claire and all that. So it was a real shock to me to... to be nominated. I didn't win one. Don't get me wrong. I didn't win any awards, but I got to sit on the same table as Les Murray. And oh, that's a good. Yeah, it was. Oh my god. I, I mean, I sat with Sean at tables with Ange Postecoglou, and that was amazing. But to sit with Les Murray a meter and a half away from me for the whole night, 
Now that guy's a god. So ah, oh, literally yeah. now. And yeah, and that that mm. to me, because this morning I said to Dad, the greatest night I've ever had out. Because we were just talking about it with a sporting person is when I was working for cricket and I got to have um, drinks with Brian Lara because I was the only one who wanted to go up and talk to him. So I entered, you know. Anyway, that was a great. Yeah, I've night. met Brian. He's a nice bloke. Do you think that Les? Do you think that Les knew how much he was loved around the country? I don't think anyone is. I think if they're a real nice person, and he to me was just unbelievable. Um, I don't think anyone ever realizes how much they're loved, do they? I I think that's just human nature. No, because he was down to earth, mate. You know, Mm. he was. And anyone who's met him said the same thing. So I just sat at the table, and I'm not scared to have a chat. That was one of the only nights, mate, I haven't spoken. I just wanted to listen to him all night long. Fair enough. Well, that's really cool, man. That's cool. I mean, I've got a bunch of people I've met. And I, yeah, I, I'm happy to live with the Todd Eye stuff tonight because that's that really too. that was something I it was really special. And, um, you know, to see the guy up and around, we nearly lost him. Yeah, we did. He's a quality guy. Oh, mate, look, honestly, uh, you know, I said today, it's, as I said before we go, I said to Dad, you know, that night with um, Brian Lara was amazing. I won't go into the details, but nothing compared to sitting there with Les and just his voice. I'm sitting there going, wow. And, you know, we, we, we interviewed Simon Hill uh, a while back and we've interviewed other people. And what I loved about Simon Hill was just, and the same as Ange, when you're talking to these people, they're people. As much as we love sport, they're also people. So, you know, we're, we're blessed for what we've done, mate. And um, have you got anything final to say? Because I've gone a little bit over the top at the end there. No, my Todd stuff was my final. Well, mate, I couldn't end it any other way. We're the Love Sport Podcast. This is John Lambic Peach on Twitter. I'm Paul, Paul underscore football. Look, we love the fact that you're listening to our podcast. We just ramble away. Um, I try and lead it. John will just follow me. Uh, we have different opinions, but we want yours as well. So get on the Facebook group, Love Sport Podcast. Uh, get on the page. Get on Twitter. And just, you know, we want your opinions there as well. So say whatever you want. We will discuss whatever you want. This is the Love Sport Podcast, and we'll speak to you next week. Dude, I went way over the top there. Sorry, mate. Wow, well, man, that went for ages, man. I didn't even know. <laughs> I thought you were going to cut us at, at 38 minutes. Oh, mate, look, I'll edit it. Uh, thanks for listening to the Love Sport Podcast. You can get us on the Love Sport Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. You can also get me at Paul underscore football on Twitter, John at Lambic Peach, and Pete at Pete Novikowski. Hey, hey, this is Kick Pushing the Love Sport Podcast. <laughs>